0: This is Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind with me, psychologist, Professor Richard Wiseman.
1: And me, science journalist, Marnie Chesterton. This is
0: the podcast where we delve into the psychology of everyday life and answer your questions about human behaviour.
1: That's what we normally do, but every now and then we like to take a little break from our regular format to talk to someone really interesting about their hopefully informative approach to life.
0: And in this episode, we're talking to comedian, author and presenter Robin Ince.
1: Robin co hosts the BBC Radio 4 show The Infinite Monkey Cage with Professor Brian Cox. Uh, he does Book Shambles with Josie Long and multiple other shows. And his latest book, Bibliomaniac, is out now.
0: And we talked to Robin when he's up in Edinburgh this year's Fringe Festival. And of course, Robin's a friend of both of ours. How do you know Robin?
1: I know Robin because I make nerdy science programmes and so does he. And whenever he's kicking around the BBC offices, he's always really interesting to talk to. And I will have... The time flies by and I learn fascinating facts and love that. How do you know Robin? We go back many, many years
0: because oh, I don't know, 20 years ago or something like that, Simon Singh, another very good friend, writer, uh, mathematician, um, he came up with an idea. He said, why don't we do science on stage, comedy science on stage, said Simon. And uh, I said to him, I think that's a terrible idea. Let's do it. No, I I did say let's do it. but I I was very, very sceptical. But Simon thought it would work and we put together a show called Theatre of Science that turned out to be quite successful as we did it in London, took it to New York and so on. And so that got me into the whole kind of science comedy thing and Robin was doing work uh, in that as well. So that's where we met originally. And then over the years, I've been on the Monkey Cage show many, many times as a guest and done lots of live work with him.
1: Now that you mention it, Robin Ince did actually write my dissertation on science and stand-up because my... Right.
0: Should you be admitting to that, given it's your dissertation?
1: Uh, He freely and drunkenly gave me all of his words of wisdom. I just wrote them down and uh, handed them in. (laughs) 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 I I figured that was an excellent uh, division of labour.
0: So we could be talking to Robin today about curiosity and the importance uh, that it plays in everyday life.
1: He has written a book about the importance of being interested. Have you done any work on curiosity? I
0: haven't, but lots of psychologists have. And in fact, it's one of those very early topics. You go back to the 1900s and psychologists are quite fascinated by what makes somebody curious and, and how that is such a, a powerful, essentially, emotion. Then it drops away and more recently it's come back into to vogue. And there's been some wonderful experiments. So one of my favourite ones, showing the power of curiosity, is that you come in to do an experiment and the researcher says, oh, actually, we're running a little bit behind. So we've got some things here that you can just pass the time with while we set up for the experiment. Because whenever a researcher says that, you know what you're looking at is the actual experiment in front of you. And in this instance, two groups of people, one group, they say, here's a, a bunch of pens in a box. But they're not normal pens. They're not regular pens. These are these joke pens that when you press the top, you get a little electric shock. And half of them in the box will give you the shock and the other half won't. (laughs) And that's just left in front of you. And the control group, the other group, are just told that none of the pens work, or they're told that all of the pens will give you a shock. And either way, they're just left in front of you. And it's the power of curiosity. So you know that if you pick up a pen, if you're in Group A, pick up a pen, there's a 50-50 chance you're going to get an electric shock. And still people can't leave those pens alone. They have to know which pens are which. And so it speaks to that very odd emotion, that odd feeling of, I I just need to know. And in fact, I'm prepared to have something negative happen to me in order to satisfy my curiosity.
1: I get that. I totally understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Try them all. Even though you're getting nothing out of it
0: except a negative experience. (laughs) So it's a fantastic emotion. It it drives us forward. I think we can explore it in all, all sorts of ways with Robin. And to make our listeners, and hopefully you, curious as well, I've got a little curiosity test because in my pocket I've got something that nobody, nobody in the whole world has ever seen and nobody in the whole world will ever see again. Which pocket? It's my left pocket. Okay. So what you should be feeling, listeners, is a sense of, I wonder what that is? And hopefully, all being well, we'll find out at the end of the episode.
1: This feels like quite a basic cliffhanger, but it's still working. Yeah, it's that, that's like, the power. stay tuned to Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind and find out what's in Richard's pocket. <laughs> <That's>, well, <laughs> I've I'm hooked. About,
0: yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> Who wouldn't be? Who wouldn't be? That could be another podcast. It's <laughs> said what's in what's in Richard's pocket?
1: I would subscribe to that. <laughs>
0: um, so, so it's that thing of hopefully now thinking, yeah, it doesn't matter to me what's in Richard's pocket, but I'm quite curious, what could this object be?
1: Also, I've... I've been in your house, and you've got some really unusual things. So I'm prepared to but be the excited bar's about that. Pretty high, yeah. The, the bar's curiosity quite high. bar
0: is high. So that's the power of, of curiosity, and uh, that's what we're going to be talking to Robin about.
1: Let's bring him in.
0: We've got a very special guest. I'm very excited. Robin Ince is joining us.
1: Robin. Welcome, welcome.
0: Hello. So this on our podcast, we often look at things that have changed people, you've done lots on Monkey Cage, a million scientists talked about lots of scientific concepts. Any of them changed anything in your life?
1: Has Richard Wiseman changed
0: your life? That's the obvious question. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But aside from me, uh, any of that science stuff? Just
2: just for the people listening, the aside from me, if we could, if it wasn't aside from Richard, this would be three or four hours of the wonderful (laughs) ways that he's changed me. But um, the – well – Lots of it 's one of those things where quite often there 's not a kind of damascene moment there's a moment much later on where I realize i've digested something and it's like most recently I just found it as a very use i mean i know it 's an experiment you 've done as well actually mm-hmm. and and I think you know probably you came up with it first and that 's probably why it has changed my life. Now, I apologize <laughs> for using you here but the red and white wine thing the fact that if you don't know if the wine is red or white. It's very, very hard, if not near impossible, to tell the difference. And I know people have done that with brandy and whiskey and all manner of things. And so when we did that at the Adelaide Science Centre, an episode on the science of wine, and Brian Cox was there and Brian Schmidt, who's a Nobel Prize winner, and he's. And got, they
1: both really like their oh, wine. Oh,
2: yeah. They are the people who go buttering now. Oh, I'm getting in the Goodsbury forest. Oh, brambly, blambly, you know, all of that stuff. And um, when they couldn't do it, and then they were, I could see they were quite annoyed as well. So they because, can't tell the difference between the two no, ones. But okay. they immediately would go, oh, oh, yes, no, of no, 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 because you said, no, no, no. I think you unconsciously said, blah, 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 blah. You know, which is, you know, always why, obviously, I said, and that's why we're dealing with the male ego as a subject next week. Because to <laughs> me, the fascination of something as simple as that experiment and going if we can't tell the difference between red and white wine well, again we go back to how many other pictures around us how many other experiences around us are so colored and so infl- and that moment where you go this is a very very important thing when you're arguing with a friend over something that is ultimately inconsequential about what happened in that room what i saw what you saw more often than not the argument is pointless because you have both had that experience. You have both seen it. And once you start to accept that neither of you had an objective experience, it means, you know, again, it's that thing. I think if I've, I've learned something overall over the 13, 14 years we've done it, it's to always have as loose a grip as possible on your beliefs. Mm. Because some of them you will be able to maintain, and some of them, new evidence will come along and you'll go, oh, it turns out that's rubbish. So, overall, I think the main thing that I've learned is nothing is 100% true. Okay. Like, there are things which we really will take an enormous body of evidence. But then, a lot of the other things about, you know, a- again, chimpanzee language, that to me was fascinating, where, you know, having Jane Goodall teaching. Bill Bailey about how to speak chimpanzee and and all of that. And Kat Hobater, who's, I think it's Hobaiter, who's, I can't remember if she was based at Dundee University. You know, her, you know, the different amount of language that it turns out chimpanzees have, that becomes a revelation.
0: And I I didn't come up with the red and white um, wine thing, but we did did. do, uh, uh, we did do. just being modest. uh, Cheap and expensive wine. Yeah. And, and again, blind tasting is whether well people could tell the difference. And a bit like the red and the white, they absolutely couldn't. And in the end, we had wine buyers who would try and tell the difference between wine that cost a couple of pounds versus about 30 or £40. Pounds. They couldn't tell the difference no. either. And they were furious. And a bit like yeah. you were saying. I'd with the, the, with be front. furious.
1: It's basically just said your job is pointless. That's yeah. right.
0: And then they start to attack the experiment. And th- that became kind of interesting psychologically. Well, that's always the
2: same with dousing, isn't it? It's the same with water, yes. water. They're all the same thing. There's always been, it turns out, a problem with the experiment. And I think that, I mean, what were those ones that were done about uh, share predictions where they had these the stockbrokers, they had a five-year-old who chose... Oh, who, f- did, yes, who did that, was, Richard? Well, was oh.
1: that
0: was one of mine, yes. You're yes.
2: amazing, Richard. This I, I really, We need to edit this out because he's so... He, I know. Yeah, he's going to be embarrassed hate, by yeah, yeah, yeah. God, the heat of this room through the blushing <laughs> is so... Uh, <laughs> uh, interminable When you've both Quite finished <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, no So we talked about this In an earlier episode And it, it's is one of those ones That stayed with me I was like Bloody hell yeah, So it. all of these people Who are paid Good money This
0: investor Financial astrologer Who looked at the birth date Of companies And predicted how they were And then a six year old child Choosing randomly And she outperformed The other two yeah. It was amazing So, I've got some uh, studies here. I was going to see whether you wanted to try and predict Go the on. outcome uh, of these studies. It shows them a couple on curiosity. One is a bizarre study, uh, which was carried out a few years ago, on the relationship between eating fruit and vegetables and curiosity. So they had people, 400 people, uh, they rated how curious they were using a, uh, the curiosity and exploration inventory, seven-item uh, measure, and then they said how much fruit and vegetables they were consuming. So the question is, is there a positive relationship where more fruit and vegetables mean more, more curious, a negative one, more fruit and vegetables less curious, or no relationship at all? What is your bet?
2: Well, this is an interesting one because the first thing I think is how much was that, you know, in terms of, for instance, the income of the people that yes. were there. There's, yes. there's, it's a bit like the breastfeeding things where, the, you know, the correlation happens far
0: too. You know, there's not a lot of other things that are taken into account. Yeah. So,
2: yes. so was this a broad section of
0: society? Was this was this- a fairly broad section of society, and they did control for some of those things, some of those things. But but it's got to be said it's a correlational study as well. So, um yeah, they looked at well-being, curiosity, creativity, and so on. They found the same measures amongst all of them.
2: I think there is going to be a link, a positive link, uh, between fruit, vegetable, eating, and curiosity. But I think ultimately, if we really looked at the research, we would find that it's flawed because it didn't take in enough of the uh, different kind of elements of society. Which is society. the correct answer.
0: Yes, Oh, good. you're good yeah. at this. So, uh, there, but there is the suggestion there that if you eat more fruit and vegetables, you become more curious, which, you know, probably isn't true.
2: Well, I suppose you do have to start to go, you know, because if you eat something out of a packet, you kind of just take it as read that it's not poison. Yes. But otherwise you have to be more curious about your fruit and vegetable, don't you? Is that just a bit of mud or, oh my God. You know, but is it
1: going to be, like, is it on the day? I mean, if yes, you... Yes, it's,
0: da- it's a daily diary.
1: Yeah, yes. because yeah. also if you eat the carrots how long does it take for you to digest the carrots or is it the psychological effect of looking at the carrot as it's going in your mouth that's having the positive impact
0: that's not covered in the paper damn it yeah should have been i don't think
2: it's yeah i don't think the carrot itself is making you more curious i think it's the habit of the carrot that is
1: Okay, you I mean. that makes more sense.
0: So I know you're a fan of horror movies mm. and thrillers and so on. Uh, so this is a study, a nice study actually, an uh, observational study, we're looking at couples going into and coming out of either a mock documentary called True Stories, which I never heard of, this is a study from the late 80s, or a high arousal film, which is 52 Pickup. Right. never right. heard of that either, a suspense thriller. So we've got couples going in and coming out of either a dull documentary or a very exciting thriller and a film, and they looked at the number of times they're holding hands, these couples. So one of the films creates a lot more hand-holding on the way out.
2: Right. Well, I think True Stories is the one with David Byrne, which is oh. lots of different kind of little stories that were kind of almost reenactments of but were they real? Or were, you know, like Wisconsin Death Trip, that okay. really amazing film. 52 Pickup, I think stars Roy Scheider. Um, was that the test?
1: I know, I'm sorry. I I, I, I,
2: I think it was Roy Scheider. And so I love Roy Scheider. So sometimes that makes me love things more. And I might hold my wife's hand more. We watched The French Connection the other day and Marathon Man. And we found out when the other cast were on, Gene Hackman and Dustin Hoffman, we didn't hold hands nearly as much as when Roy Scheider was on screen. So I'm (laughs) going to bring that in. Um, I think knowing if it is true stories, the, the one that I'm thinking of, I think there was more hand holding. Oh, that's hard, isn't it? I'm going to go with True Stories. Oh really? It's more hand-holding. Because I don't remember 52 Pickup as being like it's not one
0: of those whoa, oh scary kind of things. It's it's described as a suspense thriller. Yeah. About blackmail and murder and and with gratuitous violence.
1: I'm oh. I'm going with that one then cuz um
2: I'm going to, I'm going to stay with True Stories really? cuz I think it might have been hand-holding in a kind of like a positive that's a really sweet story kind of way. Uh Marnie gets the point
0: right. yes. because the idea is Add that, that you, to my deficit. you feel physiologically aroused by blackmail and murder but you then attribute that to the person you're with your partner so you think "Oh, I actually find them more attractive and you end up holding their hand more uh,
2: that's why I always whenever I write love letters to my wife I always just use letters I've cut out of a newspaper <laughs> so it looks more like a blackmail threat <laughs> and that really seems to enhance it
1: This is Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind, and in this episode, we're talking to Robin Ince. And if you want us to keep doing this, we need your help and support. Please review us and share the episode with your friends. And please subscribe too. It helps other people to find us.
0: Uh, My third and final one. So it's following um, a 1,000 men who are around about 65, between 65 and 70. They measure curiosity, and then five years later... A lot of them have died. Right. And the question is, what's the impact of curiosity on that? So is it the more curious people have died, there's no difference, or the less curious people have died? I I should say they're ticking boxes again. So curiosity is is things like, I I feel like uh, exploring my environment, those those sorts of things. Yeah. I'm
2: going to go with the more curious uh, died younger.
1: Really? No, no. Oh, because
2: you see, I think they're trying stuff all the time. They're well, thinking is that like mushroom poisonous or but whatever. But you,
1: you're thinking ten thousand years ago when oh, we were hunter gatherers. Okay. I still
2: do go to the mushroom. All right, uh. then I think then <laughs> that. I mean, I would think personally, thinking of my curiosity, I think it does make me safer in situations because I yes. think because I think I go through that choose your own adventure. I could do this, 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 or this, and you're always able to generate the worst case scenario. So I will, I, you're right, I've, I've. It's, sorry, I went to Stonehenge recently. I've yeah. really got, it's really affected me. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, the curious
0: survive longer. And, and you're right. And it seems to be a cognitive thing that they are just more interested in the world and so they're more cognitive cognitively alert and so you don't die from some of the um, issues surrounding that. Walking so, out in front of the bus. Exactly. Because kind
2: of <laughs> also when you're more, you're more curious about food, you're more curious about lots of things, yeah. you don't keep going back to the same thing, yeah.
0: Yeah, so it's, it's, it has it has quite big. So it's about thirty percent difference wow. in the two groups. It's not a small thing. Yeah, so okay. curiosity matters
1: you appear to be someone who's curious about everything. Is that a massive front?
2: No, I really, this is one of the reasons that I love doing these shows this year. I mean, it's kind of the kind of shows that I've done for quite a while, but these ones feel like the most unadulterated in terms of like the show that I'm doing, Weapons of Empathy, where I've just got a stack of books that are books that I love and books that I think are interesting. And it means that I can change the show every day because quite often I take a circuitous route so I find some new books so I can start with those. And I genuinely, utterly adore I remember saying to someone once, I said, I think a lot of my shows are basically like a mixtape you would give someone on a third or fourth date. They're saying, I love these things. I hope you love them too. Okay. And, and it is, again, partly, I won't go, because I know every comic talks about this, but at the, the, the point of diagnosis with ADHD and all that stuff – so many of the negative things that I had in my mind, like you know the the inner critical voice that was very very loud, and like all the way through Infinite Monkey Cage, I would always just hear it the whole time going, "Why do you say that? Why do you interrupt Brian? Everyone thinks that was rubbish. That was rubbish." And that went. And then two years ago, through a mixture of diagnosis and a couple of other things, um I got rid of that. It's, it, I really, I've never felt more driven. Whether it's talking about my love of certain stories and books and people, or comedy or art or whatever it is, I've never been more driven or more. And, and these are. All all the things that sound crass because we've been trained. I genuinely have never been so like brimful of love for so many things and able to
0: express it. Wonderful. Robin Ince, thank you you very much. much. Thank you. So there we go. That was Robin chatting about curiosity and many
1: other topics as well. Lovely as always to listen to him.
0: As I was saying right at the start, I am quite fascinated by that, that powerful emotion that, that drives learning. And we mentioned the study with the, the pens that give you an electric shock. There's been other work where if you're a curious person and you're asked a general knowledge question that you don't have the answer to, and you're then given various options, one of them is you could just have the answer straight away, but the other one is you could have hints. People could give you hints. Curious people love that because it kind of extends that, that kind of feeling of curiosity as you get another hint. It kind of underpins learning. And as we've seen, actually, is, is good for you in all sorts of ways. And I should say, we're talking about intellectual curiosity here. There's another type of curiosity which is heavily associated with sensation-seeking, where you just sort of think, I wonder what will happen if. Um, <laughs> and, and that's that's not quite so good for you.
1: I'm thinking of jackass.
0: That's it. Yes. That would be a certain type of curiosity.
1: That's There was definitely curiosity behind all of those stumps. Yes.
0: Um, I suspect not associated with longevity. No. So it's, it's a great topic, and we, we spoke earlier on about the, electric shock pen experiment. But there's been other studies where, for example, you have two boxes and you say in one box there's some cash, the other box, nothing at all. So choose a box and people choose a box. And the way the experiment's set up, because there's some deception involved, they're always going to choose the box that's got nothing in it. Really? Yeah. So you take the lid off and go, oh, look at that, you've won nothing at all. It doesn't matter what's inside the other box. Yet people are desperate to know how much money they would have won. Mm-hmm. So, again, the curiosity drives them forward, even though they know it's going to create a feeling of regret. Yeah. So it's very, very powerful. It's often overlooked, but in terms of teaching, in terms of education, just putting in questions. I know this is a speaker, just putting in questions. It doesn't matter to anyone often in the audience, but yet there's a question there. They must have it answered. So it's a really powerful technique for learning.
1: I know you're too smart to play the lottery, but I occasionally buy a ticket and then just have it, keep it for months and months, because I like the feeling that I might have won. Now, you can only keep these tickets for six months before they go out of date. Right. And occasionally I find one that's out of date, so I can't claim any money, but I still need to check to yes. see if I would have won.
0: It's a very strange thing. We talk about other emotions, other feelings, the happiness and, and, and so on. But being a lifelong learner, always wanting to know more, always asking, well, why is that the case? I think is a, is a very, very powerful and very simple technique that people can incorporate into their everyday lives, but it makes a real difference. And some people, that comes very naturally. They just want to know how everything works and, and to accumulate as much knowledge as possible.
1: But for other people who maybe need a bit of a prompt to be curious, there's a way you can do that if, as an educator.
0: Yeah. Well, one of the ways is to ask questions. So you don't just say, I don't know, here's a physics demonstration and this is what happens. What you say is, what do you think will happen if I do X? And it's like a little hook that comes out and it's very hard to walk away from. And so now you think, well, And then you start to get involved in it. So I think that asking those questions is very important. The other thing it gives you is what psychologists, social psychologists refer to as uh, social currency, in that you've got something to talk about with other people to make them curious as well. So you can kind of share the love.
1: That's the whole reason for, for your entire career, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Sharing the love. Sharing the love. Yes. Having cool stuff to talk about. Well, it's, it's, it is helpful. I, I to say I keep coming back to this. I think it's
0: overlooked. And and in psychology went through this real dip of interest in curiosity. It was seen as this not particularly important feeling. And now I think it's really returning to centre stage and quite rightly so. Yeah. Uh, So we've learned lots of things here. uh, That First of all, curiosity is, I mean, literally is is good for your health um, because it's associated with uh, living longer.
1: Uh, That might be because curious people eat more vegetables. Of course, one
0: thing we haven't done so far is get to the curiosity test that I set right at the beginning of the episode.
1: Yes, let me just remind people. I mean, I don't need to remind people because everyone else will be on tenterhooks knowing that there's something in your pocket that no one has ever seen before.
0: I can guarantee that no one in the world has seen before.
1: And no one will see again. Including myself. (gasps) And I put it into my pocket. This is some sort of trick, and I know it's some sort of trick because you've got your your lying eyes on, but I'm still really curious. It's
0: it's a great little bar stunt. You can do it at parties as well. Okay. And we'll find out on another episode. No!
1: No! (laughs) (laughs) There we (laughs) go see. That's
0: the power. I need to know. Right. Hold on a second. I'm just rummaging through the other things in my pocket. (laughs) It is a roasted monkey nut. Ooh! Now, yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do love these. Really? Yeah.
0: Well, it's been in my pocket because it's, it's very well wrapped up. So the nut inside, no one in the whole world has seen. Just cracked it open. So now you can see that, that uh, unique object. And, and you're doing that very, very carefully, not making a mess at all. And then you eat it which means that no one in the whole world will ever see it again. That's great. So there we are, on the face of it, a humble roasted monkey nut. But in reality, it uh, gives us huge insights into the psychology of curiosity.
1: You've made a monkey nut way more pleasurable. So thank you for that. Pleasure. Next week, we're back to our usual format. Feel free to bring more snacks.
0: From Podomo and Telltale, this has been Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind.
1: Hosted by Professor Richard Wiseman and Marnie Chesterton.
0: Our producer is Kate
1: White. The executive producers for Podomo are Jake Chudno and Matt White. And for Telltale are Rami Sabar and Jago Lee.
0: Make sure you follow us on Twitter at WisemanPod.
1: Where we'll be regularly asking you for questions for future episodes. You can also email us at wisemanpod at podomo.com.
0: And if you like this podcast, tell your friends, leave us a review if you don't like it, tell your friends you did. Why should you be the only ones to suffer?
1: Although it does help others find us. And don't forget to subscribe. Thanks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.